You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to The Truth on the Houndsman XP Podcast Network with host Steve Burkholder. Interviews with the greatest houndsman hunting the greatest hounds in coonhound history. We take you beyond the losses and the wins. Steve digs deep into the stories behind the scenes. Do you have what it takes to achieve greatness? It all starts with The Truth. Susan Perriman, and uh, we actually have their son James with us today, uh, and he's going to kind of share what it is to, to with us all, what it is kind of like to grow up in the, I guess, in the houndsman family. Uh, I think he's a at least a third generation uh, houndsman, and James, how are you doing today? Not too bad. about you, Steve? We're doing awesome, doing awesome. Well, I want to say we're excited to have you on today and, and share a little bit about your childhood growing up. Uh, we got to talk to your mom and dad uh, a little while ago and uh, really enjoyed that side of it. And uh, I'd love to hear from you today on uh, kind of uh, what it was through your eyes growing up as a, as a child and, you know, being a third generation houndsman like that. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit, James, who you are and uh, kind of where you live and, and uh, we'll get started here. Yeah, I'm um, James Perriman, and I'm from Perkins, Georgia. We used to live down on the Florida-Georgia line, and then we moved up here. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just enjoyed coon hunting my whole life, Steve. That's my thing, you know. I just, going from the time I was a baby, my daddy was going with him and Johnny Merritt. They coon hunted every night together, you know. And um, they had some really good dogs together back then, and... We we just loved it, you know. Did you uh in years growing up? What have you now? I know I know you obviously coon hunted, but uh, did you hunt anything else with hounds uh, when you grew up? Oh yeah, we um run um deer dogs and hog dogs, and I'm, I mean we we done a little bit of all of it. We just hunted anything, you know, and I mean we trapped. We done whatever we could do to make a little money, you know. So. Absolutely, I understand that you're that, that, and actually George and Susan were actually doing this here, over at your mom and dad's place, and uh, they're sitting here with us as well, uh, sitting in and listening, may comment on a, a story here or there that we're looking forward to hear from, but was 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 
hunting with coon with hounds was that kind of your passion from the get-go i mean is that what did you always go back to is that what really uh you was passionate about uh, more so than the other oh 100 steve i mean i knew what i i mean i wanted to do it on a professional level one day you know and i didn't think we'd ever get to where we at today you know back then because i'd go to a you know back then it was a 15 dollar hunt and you know i I wish I'd have known about a blue book back then because that's, you know, that's how I got my lessons from Buddy DeLetri and Paul Sheffield and Cecil Pittman. Um, I'd be sitting at the house and realize I, I'm pretty sure I won that cast, but I didn't get paid no money. You know what I mean? Right. I think we could, <laughs> I think we could all agree that uh, even though they had blue books back then, uh, I, I really think that our blue book was uh, simply entering them hunts and, and coming home and trying to figure out what went wrong. That's you exactly know, right. They took would... a lot of, took a lot of uh, 15, well, back then they even had some $10 hunts, took a lot of $10 and $15 hunt lessons, I guess you could say. But, you know, James, don't you think that looking back, I know for me, uh, looking back, I wouldn't want it any other way, uh, really. I mean, you can you could read the rules. You know, I, I, we see it so much in today's uh, in today what we do now. You know, obviously the purses are a lot bigger. You know, your boys. I mean, what a weekend they had. They just come off of I don't know what did they. I know they was in Junction, Illinois, and, and share with the viewers. I think they what did they end up winning fifteen fifteen thousand fifteen thousand yep. yeah and. Uh, I know uh, Colt won both nights and Justin won one night. Yep, and, and uh, he, he got his dog's uh, foot hurt. Is that right? Couldn't hunt him last night. Yep, couldn't hunt him Saturday night. He had um, um, he's Randy Morgan. You know, he's real good to Justin. He he let Justin borrow a dog to hunt Saturday night, so we was fortunate to get to do that. You know, right? But uh, you know, you know, you could read the rules uh, in in, but. It, you would have to have that real life. There's nothing like the real life experience, and I think that's how a lot of us learned. Is uh, you know them them type of situations. So I fully well know what you're saying on that. Uh, hey, when you um, when when you was broke as I was back then, um, them fifteen dollar lessons you never forgot about because you didn't have no gas money to go back to the next one. So you learned them rules pretty quick. You didn't um forget none of them they taught you. I can tell you that. Right. Absolutely. So. Uh, James, go back to when you was uh, obviously we had heard from your mom, uh, from your mom, uh, Susan. Uh, we otherwise known as Mama Perriman. Um, we know that uh, she holds the ship together, but she actually coon hunted quite a bit with you uh, as a as a child growing up too, as well, right? Oh yeah, we all every weekend we was at this place. Um, what I can remember the um, best, but when I was young, they had this place called Coon Camp, and it was probably. I don't know what five or six miles from the house there, and we'd go down there and um, we'd pitch a tent, you know, and we'd start coon hunting at dark time, and and we'd quit at daylight and sleep until you woke up sweating and in, in that tent, you know, and then um, I remember them days. yeah, and you could walk down that. Um, they had a it was all in a big bluff. You had some stairwells to go down there. And you could actually go down there and maybe get a little water to throw on you, you know. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, and and it wasn't no back then. I mean, you shoot a coon out, you we cleaned it, and when I say clean it, you caked it out and everything because we had a um, fur drying house, you know. That w- tell us a little bit about we, the fur drying. House. Yeah, we. I mean, we was um. <laughs> tell you the truth, I hated it, Steve. To tell you the <laughs> truth, but. 
I knew that daddy and mom was making a little bit of money with it. So if I killed a coon, that's where it went, you know? Yeah. And, um, but them scraping them hides, I, I would hope daddy would have all that done before I got home from school, but it didn't always work out that way. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah, I, I mean, all the memories is good. And, and I, I would give, I would wish Colt and Justin would have got to see that kind of part of it, you know? Yeah, go, uh, George. What did the what was that fur house? I mean, uh, I know that you guys did it for a lot of years. Um, touch a little bit on the fur house for you. To me, yeah. it was a way to make money. But I'm gonna t- I'm gonna change the subject here for a minute. My wife kept us all together. If she didn't, I mean, not only us, but all the other kids, they stayed there with us. And that's all I wanted. To, I wanted to recognize her. Yeah. She she's the backbone of all of it. I'm not. I'm not nothing really, but old time. Absolutely, absolutely. It's safe. It was. It was definitely a family tradition. So, um, you know, I know. I remember as a, as a kid uh, growing up. Um, you know, back then the the fur hides alone. Now this wasn't tanned out, but the fur hides alone. You, you could you could. Uh, you could get some pretty uh, good amount of money uh, for uh, for hide. George, what would you remember back then? You know, you you you've been you've hunted for quite a few years. What would you remember selling coon hides for? You know, maybe at the peak or anywhere from thirty thirty five forty dollars a hide. But that was a number one hide. When you go to the seller, he'd have four piles. Well. The high dollar ones, you wouldn't have many in it. Then the next one, you'd have a few in it. And then the medium hides, you'd have a pretty good hide. And this one over here wasn't just thrown over there. Yeah. That, that wasn't no good. And it took a lot of hides to make any money. Right. Right. But, yeah, absolutely. So that's what you would have grew up kind of early on, remembering on, on the on the fur house, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I... I'm telling you, I remember, you know, everybody had them hip waders. You'd see all them other boys. Me, I was so little. I, I had a pair of hip waders, but I had to put my tennis shoes inside of them where they'd stay on my feet. <laughs> and if you awesome. if you ever hunted down around the marsh where we hunted at, they your boots didn't stay on your feet. You bogged down. I um, remember one time I had to, thought I was going to have to go get a D9 dozer to pull Cecil Pittman out of that marsh one night. So Absolutely. you could bog down in that pretty good. Absolutely. So uh, early on, James, uh, what was what was some of the like like your first dog that you may have been able to call your own, or uh, you know, one that you really enjoyed hunting? Uh, would you know? I mean, would, would there be one that would stand out uh, for you in your mind? Yeah, when I was younger, um, oh, me and Daddy, Daddy actually got her started, and that was the little female called Maggie, and um, I got her right after he got her started, and I got to keep hunting her a pretty good bit, and. I kept telling him how good she was doing, and him him and um, another older gentleman, Jack Wade, they jumped in the truck. They wanted to go look at her one night, you know, and um, sure enough, cut her loose, and she'd come through there driving the track, you know, pretty good. I mean, just really, really good. I mean, motoring through there. And about that time, and I I didn't think she was going to come treated this close to the truck, but it was good for them because they got to see how good she looked like that, and she got treated about 100 yards off the road there, and... I said, oh, yeah, boys. I said, I told you I had a right, didn't I? Then I got to thinking I better quit talking because she'll probably be slick when I get in there. But sure enough, she had a coon. And um, 
they went on to the house, and I was glad because she did make two slick trees after that. So <laughs> they didn't, need to see that they didn't get to see that part of it. Yeah, go ahead. Biggest bull coon I ever seen. That's the one that she treated that night. And he was, he was so funny. He said, "You better turn that bulldog loose." He said, "That coon will eat Maggie." Yeah. <laughs> How, how old would he have been at this time, James, probably? I, I 14, 15? Yeah, 13, yeah. 14, something like that. Absolutely. Um, before we get into uh, more of the dog side of it or whatever, did you did you do anything else growing up uh, as a kid? I know you obviously you know hunted with hounds and that kind of thing, but is there anything else that you would have done growing up? I know uh, sharing with your mom and dad, you guys probably was a little raised a little bit like we did. We didn't have a lot. Uh, so we, we made do with what we had. We also had a lot of fun, uh, doing a lot of them, you know, outdoor, everything we did was outdoors. Right. And, uh, and, and yeah, I did. I, um, played baseball for a while and was actually pretty decent at it. And, um, went to, um, I actually started rodeoing. I would, um, doing a little calf roping and more bull riding than anything. And actually I didn't know it until the coach told me that if you make money in a professional sport, you can't play high school baseball. Well, I thought, well, if I could just win a little bit riding bulls, you know, I don't need to be playing baseball. (laughs) Well, I realized I should have stayed playing baseball because I wasn't making no money bull riding. So that didn't, I mean, it went on a while. And that my graduation night, the night before I got stomped by a bull, Broke three ribs in my sternum, and um, I told my mama, I said, I ain't going to um, be walking down that aisle tomorrow night. She said, um, if I got to drag your happy ass down that aisle, as hard as you've been on me to get you through school, you going down that aisle. And, <laughs> I would uh, say you probably walked down that aisle. George, uh, tell us a little bit of what you remember, or Susan, either one of you can chime in about James and his uh, bull riding uh, venture. Yeah. After he got hurt pretty bad, he come to me right at the last ten or fifteen minutes before he had to come out on his bull. He come over to me and he says, "Daddy, if you'll pull my rope for me, I'll I'll ride the bull." And I I looked at him. I said, "Son, I love you either way, whether you come out on him or you don't." I said, "I love you to death." He said, no, I'm going to come out of it, but you're going to go over there with me. I went over there with him. His little old legs was shaking on him, you know, how his fish. I said, and as I was pulling it, I said, you can turn him out still. I said, you can turn him out still. And he never, back then, never cussed in front of me. He said, pull the son of a bitch and let me go. And I pulled it up, rolled it over, and handed it to him. And he rode the bull. Rode the bull. <laughs> Rode the bull. But I always said he's probably too scared to fall off. Her. <laughs> we actually won that rodeo that night. I had a broke hand at the time. Mm, on that one? It, it was at that beach rodeo, yep. Yeah, the Jacksonville Beach. Yeah. But, yeah. What, uh, uh, George, you had shared earlier uh, the, on, on uh, Touch, and I think it's something that's important, where uh, when he'd gotten – the time where he'd gotten thrown off and, and, and share a little bit with the folks what you uh, uh what you had shared with it. Well the bull come out and started spinning and put him in between him and the bull in the in the chute. Well naturally when I seen what happened I jumped over the fence and went over there. 
I looked at him. I said, get your, get your ass up from there. I said, get over the fence. He gets up. But there was a reason I said that. And the reason was you never put anybody in shock. If, if you go up there and baby somebody like that, they're going to naturally say, well, I'm hurt real bad. Well, he was hurt bad. But I wasn't going to let him know it until I got him out of there. Yeah. There was a reason behind that. Absolutely. I told him I wasn't riding that ambulance. He was taking me. <laughs> I bet you rode in the ambulance. No, I did not. <laughs> I wouldn't get in there. Your dad ended up taking you. Yeah. yeah. Is that when? Is that kind of when you decided that uh, uh, you weren't going to rodeo much after that? Yeah, pretty much because at, at that time, I, it was right around that time that we found out that um, my first wife was pregnant with Colt, you know? Yeah. And I didn't have no choice. I, ain't, I mean, I couldn't afford to go do that, you know, right. no more. Right. So, uh, did you? Would you? Uh, would you done anything? Uh, any other type of hunting or, or fishing or anything like that growing up as a kid? Oh yeah, we we um, bass fish and we um, you know, saltwater fished and caught red and trout and I mean, we've we've done a, a little bit of everything. I mean, we lived off of fish and deer meat and. I mean, people think that's crazy, you know, and but... was like that. Yeah. yeah and I, I'm telling you, we was tight, me and my daddy. It, um... Right, and, you know, we've had our hard times, don't get me wrong, together, but he's pretty tough back then, you know? But, um... We, we'd fish together and coon hunt together, and when he got a little age on him, you know, and him, Mr. Johnny would, um... And I got where I could get to the dogs. And I'm talking, when I say get to the dogs, I'm talking eight, nine years old. A boy going in there getting two dogs and coming out. Why them two might have had a little mixed drink at the truck while they was waiting on me. You know what I'm saying? But when you got that kind of passion for it, nothing could stop you. You know? Absolutely. You uh, Now, you deer hunted some too, is that right? Oh, yeah. What's uh, what's your earliest uh, uh, recollection of, of deer hunting? The, um... The, um, one time, you know, I was younger, my daddy took me to, um, go deer hunting. I ain't never been in no stand by by myself. You know, I was probably seven or eight years old, huh? And he put me up in that stand and told me he'd be back. Yeah, it was way up there. And, um, told me he'd be back to get me. And, um, if I see any deer and I shoot one. Don't get out that stand, no matter what, till he gets back. So, yeah, I'm um, sitting there, and sure enough, deer, two or three deer come out there, and um, I shot one of them. Next thing I know, I'm on the ground. And all I think about is I ain't thinking about the ground hurting me. I'm thinking about my daddy getting there and seeing me not me out that stand. And you know what he's going to do with me when I... Uh, I didn't even think about it. I didn't fell out that tree stand. I didn't climb back up there before I even knew what happened. And then I looked down there. And I'm like, Lord, that's a wonder it didn't kill me, you know. But um, yeah, we've we've had some times now. So so uh, so so when you, uh, so what I'm reading between uh, George, what happened? I know you you talked a little bit about that. Well, I come up on him. He was going up the tree stand, and I kind of getting on him. He said, whoa, Daddy, whoa, whoa, wait just a minute. He says, the deer come out, I shot at him, and the gun kicked me out the tree stand. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Now, uh, so you would hunt. You, you now uh, talking to your mom and dad, you would you would have started hunting down and like you guys hunt a lot of marshes uh, and that kind of thing. So, what do you guys hunted out of a boat and different stuff like that? I mean, I oh know. yeah, we've hunted islands out of a boat. We've hunted the edge of the the marsh on a boat. You know, get up there and turn loose. Might have been on you know property line there. You know, you got a little. You can't help where the dogs go. You know what I mean. We really didn't mean to get on nobody's property, but we might have had sometimes, you know. But um, I remember, um, especially, we was hunting um, down on the marsh one night, and um, James Foster was with us, and you'd like this, Steve, because he loved blue dogs, and my daddy would give him hell about it, but he did, and he he probably um, hunted some out of old Droop, too, you know what I mean? But um, he... um. He actually, I heard him up there. I wasn't but about eight years old, but I could tell what was going on. He was actually taking up for me. And he told my daddy, he said, you going to wait on that boy? He's about 400 yards back there, bogged down in that marsh. He says, come on, James Foster. And he said, that boy will catch up here in a little while. When we get to the tree, we'll wait on him there. And sure enough, he wasn't coming back to get me. I, I dug my way out of there. Because them boots that I told you them tennis shoes was in, they were stuck in the mud, so I had to pull them out, get them back on. But, yeah, that's that was some days. And I actually ended up with them. I don't know if I ever told you this or not, Steve, but I actually ended up with them two blue dogs. You know who he got the blue dogs from? Who did he get them from? Me. It, yeah, and I, and I couldn't and believe I that he would. Started. I Yeah, he would tell me about that. He had some blue dogs, you know, and, or some English dogs, and I couldn't believe it. You know, he was a, you know, a walker man. That's what I thought, you know, but. Right. I, I remember a while back uh, you sharing a story about a boat, something eating something out of the boat. Uh, share that story a little bit. Yeah, we was, um, we was actually one morning had got up, or we'd coon hunted that night pretty much all night. And we actually went to go run traps, you know, because we had the fur house there. And um, we get, you know, headed back to the boat and my daddy snaps me on the shoulder there and says hey listen i think somebody's trying to steal the boat out there and um we ease up there and we go to looking and when you if you've ever been involved in a fur um house there like that there was nine otters inside this boat well i knew what my daddy had seen he seen dollar signs when he seen them otters in the boat well, and we did have a gun, but in my eyes, all I could see was holes in the boat. You know what I mean? But um, I think we did end up getting a few of them otters, but he let them get out the boat before he started shooting. You know what I mean? Right. right. <laughs> a- absolutely. Absolutely. When, uh, so so growing up as a kid, you did that or whatever. Um, what? Uh, when did you first start? getting into the competition side what intrigued you about it i know you went with your dad he competed obviously he'd shared uh but when when would you first recall when you started uh competing with hollands and what drew you to that side of it well what drew me to it is i remember you know back then when we was kids you'd go to a ukc hunt a five dollar night hunt or whatever there'd be 80 90 dogs there hunting for a trophy well all i wanted to do was win a trophy i thought you know and then um, my daddy, he, he was winning, and he had plenty of trophies in the in the house there, you know. But um, then, you know, 
I was, I don't know, 13, 14, and I seen the PKC side of it, or PCA back then, right? So, um, and then shortly after it went PCA, it went to PKC, you know? But, um, um, we started going to a few of them, and, um, you know, I was hunting, you know, around Strickland and Kramer and Cecil and Buddy and Paul and all of them. That's that's when I started getting all them good lessons, you know what I mean? Right. And, um, but, yeah, I got, um, I actually had a older um, black gentleman, Jack Short. He had bought a dog, and um, I went with this dog, and she treated four or five coons that night in our country if you treat four or five coons in a night you've done something you know so i had to have this dog but i knew i didn't have no kind enough money to get this dog you know but mr jack he um he um wanted somebody to handle this dog in the hunts but he didn't he couldn't walk too good you know so i started handling the dog and he gave me half over to do that and we done a little bit of winning with her and everything and nothing major or nothing, you know, but it, it felt good to me at the time because I was getting to compete, you know, and I'm very compatible, you know, and that's, that, that feeds me, if you know what I mean there, you know? Right. And we, um, you know, I can remember one night me and him, you know, two or three in the morning coming home a black man and a white man in a truck together, we get pulled over in Folkestone, Georgia, coming back from a coon hunt. And Mr. Jack told me, he says, now you know when they get up here and see a black man in here, they're going to think we're doing a drug deal, you know. But me and him wasn't like that. We explained to the cop, you know, that we had been at a coon hunt, and he seen the dog back there and everything. And he said, all right, well, Mr. Jack had a tail light out. That's what we got pulled over for. I think that's why he let me drive. I got the ticket for it. But um anyhow we um we just had a good time. Um me and him hunting together all the time and um you know, just had fun. Yep. Did you have a uh I know for us, uh as kids when I got a little older and stuff like that, we had a lot of our friends that come over and hunted with us and then some of them would go with us to the competition hunts and stuff like that. Did, was that kind of the same uh, way for you guys or uh was you more uh uh, was it just more you guys' family in that side? Oh, um, it was a bunch of guys that was friends of mine, and they loved my mom and daddy. They'd come and stay there at the house with us on Friday night, and some of them wouldn't even leave, you know, after Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They'd stay for three or four more nights. Their mom and daddy wondered where they was at, and we'd be out there spending the night in the woods looking for the dogs we was hunting because, you know, the good dogs Mr. Johnny and Daddy took, we got to go take the ones that was just getting started that we had to wait to get treed all night. You know, is I mean, I spent a many night in the woods out there, and my mama wondering where I was at, you know. And I didn't know I didn't know where I was at, so I stayed there till daylight till I could get back. Right. But That's we was right. fortunate because we could turn loose right from the dog pen there at the house, you know. I, I can remember my daddy getting out there, and he'd might have him a few um, cocktails, you know, and he said, let's see what this one will do tonight, you know. Before I know it, we got four or five dogs turned out out there that I got to go get, you know. Right. But I loved it every minute of it. When I get, if you get, you know how it is, when a dog comes treed, it just makes your hair stand up. 
that's the ones you wanted to go to. Them <laughs> other ones that didn't come treed real good, you knew you was going to a slick tree, so you really didn't want to walk to that one, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, growing up, I know for me, we, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't have a lot, but we had each other. You that's- know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I think in, in today's age uh, that we live in and stuff, you know, I've shared with, you know, people a lot that, you know, although we didn't have a lot, we had more than most because we had each other uh, uh, as families, you know, and I, hey, I can remember talking to that, you know, hunting, you know, we'd have a coon hound, but we didn't necessarily treat a coon with it the early, early on because, you know, it's just the way it was. And, uh, you know, I, I remember because, hey, t- I mean, face it, times when we grew up, you know, time, we, there was a lot of years that uh, we would get a, you know, a birthday present one year and wouldn't get a Christmas present. And then the following year, maybe vice versa. But, you know, we didn't, you know, for me, we didn't know any different. We just thought that was a way of life. You know, uh, we knew we knew that our parents loved us. And, uh, you know, I come from a family of nine. There's nine of us kids plus mom and dad. And uh, to feed eleven was uh, that wasn't an easy task. But you know what? We never we never went hungry at home, and uh, you know we always had a roof over our heads. And uh, of course, we ate a lot of simple meals. But uh, you know, my dad was an avid deer hunter, and uh, never coon hunted, but he was an avid deer hunter. And and uh, you know, there was there was a lot of times when you know that was a part of what we would uh, that was a part of what filled our freezer. Oh, I, I know what you're saying, Steve. We ate a lot of deer meat back in the day and a lot of chicken. I'm talking about a lot of chicken. Sometimes we ate so much chicken, we didn't know whether to go to bed or go to roost. You know what I mean? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. A- absolutely. So, uh, uh, James, uh, moving on from that. So, uh, I know you had touched a little bit that uh, you kind of got out of the bull riding uh, when you had Colt or whatever. So, I, you have two boys. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, Colton and Colton Justin. Okay, and uh, yeah, I know that they're they're having it. So tell me a little bit on uh, um, when they was growing up and you know taking and starting them into the hunting thing. Kind of what was the same way it was uh, started. You know, kind of the way you guys was started. Yeah, um, when Colt was first born, you know, we um he start got you know one two years old. His um, mama was actually working night shift and. If I wanted to go hunting, I had to get my mom to babysit or either I, um, you know, um, had to take him with me. Well, you know, them backpack-looking things you carry. Well, I'm telling you, I was the one doing that, carrying him through the woods. So I knew what time his mama was going to get off. So I'd run him back to my mama's house and get get her to give him a bath because he's muddy from where we done fell down in the swamp. And my mama's you know, chewing me out because I've had that baby out there with mosquitoes and in the mud and everything like that. But, um, that, this, I mean, it's no greater feeling than having your boys out there with you like that, you know, I don't care how big they are. Yeah. And, um, I can, I can still remember Cecil saying one night they, Colt and Justin was bouncing back and forth in the back seat and we in the middle of a competition hunt. And, um, he's like, you just gonna leave them kids? I'm, I said I'm trying to pay attention to my dog right now, Cecil, and their mama's on nights. And if I wanted to come to this hunt, they had to come with me. Right. So, yeah, we just ain't no better feeling than that, you know. And seeing them boys on um, win, it just don't get better than that. But they um they tickle me a lot, you know. They um 
they don't never want the dog you hunting until you start winning with them, you know? Right. I think that, James, I think that goes with most of, uh, of all of us. Right. So, uh, so, so they would have hunted. Now, George, uh, would have you, uh, would have you remembered taking the grand, the grand boys hunting? I mean, would have you, would have you hunted with them quite a bit then too as they was growing up? Well, yeah. I, I just, well, just ride with them. You know? I'd, I'd take them, yeah. you know. Yeah, whatever, wherever it wanted to go, hell, I'd take them. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I'd be out of town working, you know, going. Um, I worked a lot out of town, so I missed a lot with them boys. And if y'all get me choked up here in a minute, don't y'all just hang with me. But I missed a lot of time with them boys because I went through the apprenticeship, and once I got done with that, I could actually go out of town and go to work. Matter of fact, you pretty much had to go out of town and go to work because there wasn't no work around the house there and um we um we got to go hunting and everything while i was there you know going through that apprenticeship and everything but once i topped out i had to go out of town and go to work so you know they couldn't go hunting as much unless my daddy took them or mama would even loan them they'd have a, a coon dog in the back of her um car taking it to a competition hunt you know i couldn't believe she'd ever do that she never would have put no dog in her car for me but um them grand them grandkids tend to change when it gets that's right but um you know i just i'm so thankful to have so many people out there like, like daddy and mama and um you know to let them boys and take care of them and help them and show them a little bit more than i didn't get to show them you know because i was out there working to take care of them and um you know i gotta thank cecil Pittman. i mean cecil done a fabulous job i mean he taught justin and colt a lot and you know they've they've all you know them two boys would walk through the to the end of the earth for cecil you know that's how they feel about him because he was good to him he, he was one of the good guys wasn't he yeah he was he still he, is yes he is yeah. and you know Kramer and Buddy and and Paul, they they all loved them. You know, they took care of them, and you know, it, it was like they would they lived down in Waycross, Georgia, and you know, getting their twenty five and thirty dollar lessons too. You know, but Dad was footing the bill on this time. Yeah, Dad was footing the bill this time. But hey, finish it. I'm just gonna no, go ahead, George. Colt was probably three. And I always kept him in the woods, and I I had bought a four four wheeler, and I had him up up here, and we was riding through the woods. Bam! Right down side by side, come to a sudden stop. He went down like that, and it cut his eye right there. And he was so tough. When he come up, he says, "All right, man, that's cool." <laughs> and I seen his eye bleeding. I said, boy, you, your mama had me put in jail for child abuse. <laughs> Got him back up there to camp. He, all them boys just took up with him and put a bandage on him. He wanted everybody to see that damn bandage, boy. <laughs> how, old, how old would have he been around this? About three years old. <laughs> About three years old. <laughs> yeah, they, um, yeah they, loved, they loved the woods. And um, I remember one time I was working up in um, um Alton, Illinois, and they got to come up there and see me. And I always lived out of a 
um, fifth wheel because we're I was on, always moving around, you know, and I'd actually come up where I could have me a dog with me. I had a kennel that would fold down off the back of that fifth wheel, and I mean it was a mobile kennel, you know what I mean? That would fold up and fold down. I could keep my dog with me. Got kicked out of many campground for dog barking, but they come up there to stay with me one um, one summer, and we got or actually it was hunting season that thank Christmas time there, you know. So they was gonna get to stay a couple weeks, and um, we get to go. I get to go take them duck hunting for the first time, and um, you know you got to have a lab if you're gonna go duck hunting. You ain't no real duck hunter if you ain't got a lab, right? Right. Well, we end up with a lab. And, we was um Justin was actually probably about three years old, and Colt was up ahead of us. And you up there where y'all from? You know you got to break ice to go to this duck blind, and we was breaking ice. And you, everybody knows what like a decoy boat is. Justin was too small to walk through that, so I put him in that decoy boat and I was pulling him out across that pond. And um, the dog, the water got over the dog's head and it started swimming there you know and um that dog jumped up on that decoy boat before i knew it justin fell off in that frozen pond and i i just grabbed him up and i start back to the truck tell colt to stay at the duck blind y'all should go ahead and i'll um be back i'm gonna take him get him warmed up and get some clothes and he started showing throwing a fit i'm talking about pure fit and um I said, what do you want? I mean, I got to go get you warmed up. He said, just take me to the blind. I'll get in front of the heater there. But he wasn't leaving Colt to go somewhere and let Colt go duck hunt without him. You know what I mean? Right. So we got him there and got him stripped down and got him dried off, you know. And sure enough, we shot, shot ducks all morning there. And if that had been me, I'd have went on to the house. You know what I mean? Right. But, um. On that same trip there, when it come to the end of the two weeks, we had went to, I think it's the Bear Creek Classic over in Missouri. Is that what that is? Yeah, they have, yep, they have it in the springtime. Yep, and we had went over there, and um, we was hunting a dog called Crybaby, and we actually got in the Final Four that night. <clears throat> and I wish I could remember the guy's name that wanted to hunt it off, but he was hunting for Vogel. And... um. I had to have them boys at the airport the next morning at 7 o'clock in St. Louis. You know where the Bear Creek class is at. Yeah. It's about a two and a half, three-hour drive. Well, it was either hunt or forfeit and take forth, you know what I mean? Colt, you know, he says, oh, Daddy, we hunt. We'll make it to the airport, you know? So we hunt. We still end up taking fourth, so we should have just took fourth to start <laughs> right. with. And then we take off to the airport, you know. We get to the airport, and I i mean barely make it to their flight, you know. And I'm putting, I'm nervous putting them on the plane by themselves anyhow. And so they get on the, I get them lined on there, and they go walking on there. And I go to turn around to leave, and I feel Justin grab me by the leg. He done ran back off the plane talking about he ain't leaving. He's staying here where he can hunt. And, um... Colt, the lady made Colt get out off because Justin ran off the plane. Now, what do you do? You can't beat your youngin' because he wants to stay here with you to go hunting, you know? So it's just hard. 
So I had to go to work the next day, and I had to get somebody else to take them to the airport. So for me, to, you know, because they were, I don't believe they was going to get on that plane if I took them. And I didn't want to beat them for not wanting to get on the plane and leave. You know what I mean? But um, only thing they was worried about the deal was that if I made sure I brought that dog back to the house where they could hunt it, they'd go on home. And they'd went home, and I had to end up giving them that dog to take back hunt. That's awesome. So uh, you touched a little bit earlier on uh, hunting with uh, Paul and Buddy and that kind of thing. What was that early on? What was that experience like? I know, you know, Paul obviously, uh, you know, had the Hardwood Dan dog, ran the Prina race, uh, very, you know, obviously uh, uh, very competitive. uh, But what was it like hunting with them guys early on? Oh, it was, it was, it was great. I mean, they was, um, they they was there to win. They didn't care if you was five or forty five, you know, or sixty five. They wanted to win, and everybody does. That's how we are. We all we all buddies standing around the campfire. But when we pull up in a cast, we ain't gonna be buddies for two hours. I mean, we are gonna be still friends and we are gonna present ourselves right. But you know, we all want to win. That's what we there for. But Paul, you know, he he just loved every minute of the competition world. He he. And we all learned a lot from him, you know. But the most impressive thing to me was Buddy, um, you know, winning the Super Stakes the spring and the fall back-to-back with had won it with Ann and um, Kahuna, you know. that's That was pretty impressive to me back then, you know, you win two back-to-back like that. And, and I actually was on the phone with Buddy yesterday, and Buddy told me, he says, it's amazing them guys look at me and say, you want $100,000. And he says, well, you just don't know them boys is winning $100,000 a weekend now, you know. That's incredible. And um, it's, um, but it, he, he's got a coon pen there at his house now. And, um, you know, they all went, they um packing easy crazy there, you know. Um, I actually had a few of them, you know, and I hunted a couple good ones and everything and, you know, but they've been real good to Buddy, you know. But Buddy was good with puppies, you know what I mean? He liked he liked messing with all of them puppies and everything. So, you know, we'd learn a little bit from him, you know, what to do and what Daddy had taught us, you know. And I just passed it on them boys where they can tune on their dog a little bit. Actually, they know more about it than I'll ever know right now, you know, if you ask it's, them. It's it's amazing how fast we grow out of it. Exactly. <laughs> it's, just, it's the way it is. Uh, James, what is probably one of your favorite dogs that you ever hunted? You know, maybe even growing up, competition. You know, what, what's one that stands out to you that, you know, we, we all have one or two favorites. What would that be for you? Yeah, I, um, I'd have to say the one that Jerry Farmer won the Winter Classic with in 2010. I ended up getting him, and um, after that, and he was tight mouth on the ground, but he... He he did not miss no coons at all, you know. He had every coon. It was like amazing to me how accurate he was, you know. You never went to a tree, you didn't see a coon. You was you was expecting to see a coon, not hoping to see one. You know what I mean? And um, me and my daddy, we actually took him to the Florida State down there. And you know, I didn't go to very many UKC hunts, and. I know I needed a new dog box, and they said they was giving one of them away if you could win it. I didn't realize what they gave away. I mean, we couldn't hardly pack it all in the truck when we left from down there. But they asked us to um, guide. 
I said, you want me to guide? I ain't never guided no cats because we didn't have a club real close to the house there. And it was an hour and a half ride. My daddy tapped me on the shoulder with big eyes. He said, he can't be beat at the house. He said, if they want you to guide, you need to guide. I said, that's a long ride. He said, don't worry, I'll drive. And um, sure enough, we took off. And um, before you know it, we got 725 plus in the first hour. And the rest of them is bailing out. They don't want no more of it. So me, I didn't know any better. When they quit, we still had like 30 minutes left to hunt. I thought we was done. I could have hunted 30 minutes by myself and probably got a better score. But in Florida, 725 plus is probably going to take you where you need to be, you know? Right. So we headed on back to the clubhouse, and um, me and Daddy's discussing whether he thought that we'd get in, you know? And I'm like, Daddy, I don't know. I mean, I've seen some of them boys have, you know, 11, 1,200 points, you know? My dad said, if they score 11, 1,200 points in Florida, we want to go see where they hunting at because we got probably the best coon hunting to where we was at in Florida, you know. So we um get there, and the closest thing to us is 175. <laughs> so now they're wanting to know now they want, Yeah, <laughs> now they want to know um how many coons have we rode on the scorecards, you know. But we didn't. Them guys that actually um, rode um, followed us all the way back, and they come back and, you know, told everybody what a good um, job the dog had done, you know. The handler wasn't very good at the time, but the dog done real good. Because one time during that cast, you know, when I told you he wasn't but a quarter strike dog, you know, I tried to get a little bit of help for him over there and tried to get him struck in and where we cut loose well what little i didn't know is he peeled behind me and i didn't see him but everybody else on the cast including my daddy seen him and um i had struck him so he should have really had 775 because i got him um um minus 50 points because i struck him and he wasn't on that side of the road where they had all seen him go back behind me because Right after it happened, he come treed, you know, over there about 200 yards on the other side of the road. Oh, yeah. So. Absolutely. So that would have been one of the first ones or one of the ones that you did. Now, uh, any, any any other ones? I mean, I know you've uh, you've competed in, of course, I know you worked a lot, but you competed in the hunts whenever you could. Uh, any other hunts that come to mind that you enjoyed to be a part of? Oh, yeah. I'm, um. When I, like in my younger days, we first started, you know, going to the, when I say bigger hunts, it would be a thousand dollars added, you know, and you thought that was something. And I mean, I was sitting in there and I remember when, um, you know, they have the, the hunt in Waycross, the Swampland Jamboree every year. It was down in Patterson, Georgia, before they moved it to Waycross. And daddy remembers that me and him was down there and we went down there and we won a couple casts that weekend but i remember um john strickland had a blue dog called knothead and i drawed him that night and um i believe i would have swore that would had to have been the best blue tick that ever lived at that time you know what i mean and he was he was nice he just treed four or five coons behind where we was at i don't think he left a hundred acres and and treed four or five you know and then it wasn't very long after that we was they were still 
having it in Patterson and Strickland and Kramer had habit. And, I mean, and then you see them in a tuxedo. You know how cute they was in that. <laughs> I think we all remember that cover picture. Yeah, so, um, you know, I said, man, they must be making a killing with these dogs, you know. And then I got to um, realizing, man, they must have a lot of money because they going broke if they messing with these dogs. But, nah, John and Kramer and all them, they they do. They want to be winners like we all do, you know. They just good people, all around good people. Yeah, you know, I've often said the the you know if the if the hunt stopped today, I'd still hunt. I I, I grew up around hounds just like you guys did all my life. You know, from the time I was six seven years old, and I I think it's a. It, it, when you do that, it, there's something that is engraved in you that you can't get away from, you know. Um, but I, I also, you know, it's uh, I've met some of the, the finest folks. Uh, some of my best friends today uh, got introduced to me through the, being a houndsman. And, uh, you know, as you get to know them and hang out with them and, and uh, you know, as I get older, I enjoy that side of it. Uh, as much, if not more, than the, the hunting side, you know, the, the competing side. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, James. I think we all still have that competitive spirit in it. Your dad had shared earlier that uh, he'd still go to every tree if he could get there. That's and right. I don't, think that, I don't think that ever leaves us. I really don't. You That's know? right. And uh, so it's, uh, it's most certainly, uh, I know for me, uh, I was very fortunate that I was allowed to uh be around that growing up and uh being a third generation houndsman like you are uh growing up you know it's a way of life for a lot of us you know so absolutely well before we before we close this down or whatever um i'd love to hear from from you and your dad uh kind of what uh maybe you know what's 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 it meant to be a houndsman all your life maybe some of the uh experiences that you had uh, that kind of thing before we close down uh, today's episode. Uh, anything that you guys would love to share? I just loved it. Always did. I mean, it wasn't that I had to. I wanted to. And another thing, it didn't get too rough. It didn't get too bad. I went. Okay, go ahead. And that's all I got to say. You know, I was, I was just... I was good at it and knew I was good at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think, you know, for, uh, for me uh, as well, uh, there's a, there was so many things. Uh, it made up so much of our life, you know, when we did it. You know, and uh, I, remember, uh, I remember vividly uh, coming home one night, talking about that, uh, coming home one night in... Uh, uh, hunting with a neighbor, we didn't have a. I didn't have a driver's license, so I was hunting with the neighbors. And uh, he was talking about the otter in the boat. And uh, we was hunting with the neighbors, and we seen these three big great raccoons cross the road. And and uh, of course, you know, back then, being fourteen, fifteen years old, uh, hey, one of them was going to make a big difference, a big dent if we could get it, and you know, saw the hide. And so we pulled over and put our dogs on these on these three coon and. The woods that they was headed toward, we could be there. And so we're, hey, they'll get to the edge of the woods, they'll get treed, and we got to get up and do chores the next morning. And uh, 
So we're thinking this is going to be pretty quick, pretty easy. The famous, infamous last drop, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and these dogs take after these coons. And all of a sudden, they get about halfway across this field. And, of course, back then, I believe me and my brother just had flashlights. And the guy that we was hunting with, he may have had a, I don't know if he had a little nightlight back then. It was fairly new at that point in time. We couldn't afford them. And these dogs make a right-handed turn, and they head straight north, kind of go into a, like a farmhouse. Of course, you know, we get nervous now. I mean, we're me and my brother are 13, 14 years old. Uh, the guy that's carrying us around hunting, he may have been 17. And uh, we spin that little flatbed truck around, and we go back up the hill. When we get up there, you know, we don't have tracking systems. We get up there, we're trying to listen to where these dogs are at. We can't really hear them. Well, we figure out they're across the road in this old barn foundation. Now, we don't know who owns that barn foundation. And we, we're trying to get these dogs out of there just to get out of there. Make a long story short, uh, we're hunting three dogs. And the, they come back across the road before we can get them caught. And the next thing we know, they're up underneath this house in a crawl space that's about two and a half foot tall, fighting these coons. And we just know we're in so much trouble. You know, for me, I mean, I was born and raised Amish, so I mean, how am I going to explain that to my dad? And so we go over there, we knock on the door, nobody comes to the door. And uh, we're like, man, nobody's home. But now you have to understand, the heat ducts and stuff are running underneath this house, and I mean, there's, they are, it's like crazy and we dig underneath here i mean it's a disaster we finally get the dogs dug out of there we don't get any of the coon uh the one dog actually gets out of the crawl space gets into the garage and this coon's on the side of the wall and anyways make a long story short we we finally gather these dogs up and about the time we get to the about the time we're getting the last one dug out the light comes on in the house and we knocked on the door i mean these dogs are howling underneath there and now we know we're in trouble. Well, about like that, the light goes back off. And we finally get this last dog gathered up, and we walk out there, and we get them all loaded up, and about the time we're getting ready to leave, light's everywhere. And the next thing you know, we've got cops in front of us, behind us, beside us. I mean, they got us up against the truck. And what happened was there was an older lady that lived there, and she was deaf. So here all this commotion's going on, and it's 4.30 in the morning, and somebody had actually left and went to work and thought we was robbing the place, called us in, and we had to try to explain this whole thing. And not alone on that, we get home at 5 o'clock in the morning ready for chore time. So Dad was upset, but we had to go back up there and climb underneath that uh, crawl space, me and my brother did, and put them heat ducts and stuff back together. So, hey, these dogs can get in some situations, but, you know, looking back at it, it's the fun memories uh, that we had of that. That's right, and you know, you you everybody knows this. If you love coon hunting, you know this is how you really tell if you love it. You're sitting there all day, pacing the floor, waiting on it to get dark. That's all you care about is. And when time changes, that's the most thing that makes you more mad than anything. You like, I gotta wait another extra hour to go hunting tonight, you know. And um, what made me think about that? I had bought this dog one time. And um, I couldn't wait to it to get dark, you know. And I'd paid, I'd spent all the money I had on this dog, and I knew that um, my wife wasn't gonna be real happy about it, you know. And uh, we cut this dog loose, and he treated coon, looked pretty decent on it. And um, next drop, we cut him loose, and he's driving the track down through there, doing good. Next thing you know, I don't hear him no more. This quits, you know. And um. We, that's when they had quick track, you know, you could 
beep, beep, beep. And I finally got him located and walked in there, and he's laying there panting, can't get up, nothing. And I'm like, what in the world? I just spent this money on this dog, you know. And Anyhow, take him to the vet and come to find out he had gotten yellow jackets, and he's allergic to yellow jackets. Here I've got a coon dog that we fit and turn loose in the woods every night that's allergic to yellow jackets. And um, sure enough, that that man actually gave me my money back for him. I was glad of that because I didn't know how many times we was going to run into yellow jackets, you know. But um, them, I just want to say one more thing and, um, about them two boys of mine that I'm proud of them, you know, and I think Colt's more proud of Justin for what he's done, you know, as far as winning the Super State and stuff like that. Didn't he win the, he won the Youth oh, he won, World? He won the Youth World and he won the Super Stakes and – you know, that night I was there, but it it was Colt was there with me, and it was like more fun for Colt than it was for Justin. You know, and Justin just a lot of people, you know, don't understand how lucky and fortunate they are to win something like that because people hunt their whole life to do that. You know, and um, I just wanted to let them know I'm proud of them, and they they really are good boys. And I know I've been hard on them sometimes, but they um. They good boys, and I love them, and that's all that matters, you know. Absolutely, I think that uh, I think that way of life, um, you know, it's it's what makes us what we are. But it's that way of life. I think uh, you know, my my dad, you know, he was he he was a little tough on us, but I can tell you this: it's it's what made us who we are today. And you know, in the day and age that we live in, uh, I'm glad, I'm proud of the way I was raised. You know, that's right. Uh, taught to respect people and uh and that was something that wasn't uh it, that was non-negotiable and uh you know absolutely well hey uh it's been really awesome uh sitting here uh with you guys uh i've enjoyed every minute of it me and, too uh, and looking forward to uh, uh the part part three of the, the this series uh of the family tradition we're actually going to uh I'll be hearing from them uh, in the next segment and uh, really looking forward to that as well. So with that, uh, thank you guys, and we're going to sign off. All right. Thank you, Steve. Bye.